0: The His Girl Friday Podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. Have you ever listened to a message, a sermon, a speech, and the speaker is talking about this one truth or principle? And... You latch onto it, but then before you know it your your mind is snowballing into this rabbit trail that is kind of connected to what 's being talked about, but for the most part you 're kind of in your own mode of thinking. I know i 'm not the only one who has those Alice in Wonderland moments, but it happened to me recently a few weeks ago where i 'm listening to this sermon on Nehemiah, and before you know it i 'm thinking about cut bears and all the cupbearer references in the Bible. While the sermon centered on fasting, I was thinking systematically through Genesis, Nehemiah, even some of the historical books like Kings and Chronicles. In short, the premise of my mental wanderings honed on this question. What does my priesthood at work look like? Having read the book of Nehemiah several times, I couldn't help but want to find the relatability between arguably the greatest non-divine cupbearer who ever lived and the typical lunch pail hard hat worker in the marketplace. But going back to the original question, what does our priesthood at work look like? How would you answer the question? to lead like Jesus, to influence and confidence, to extend kingdom authority. You know, there are many great answers, and, you know, the question is loaded and can't possibly be unpacked in one post, one podcast. That said, when we examine our priestly influence at work through our cupbearer identity, we can at least begin... To build a response. So we're going to go down the rabbit trail together tonight. We're going to explore cut bear in scripture systematically, which basically means we're going to look at your primary references in the Bible. We're going to collect them, see what they point to, and determine if we can draw any application to our current setting. So let's explore cut bear, starting with Genesis 40, verse 1 and 2. Now, some time later, the cupbearer, which translates butler in Hebrew, and the baker for the king of Egypt, offended their lord, Egypt's king. Pharaoh was extremely angry with his two officials, the chief of the cupbearers and the chief of the bakers. Now, pause, rewind, hold the phone. What are we talking about? What's the context? Well, Genesis 40 is the story of Joseph interpreting The baker's dream and the cupbearer's dream. These two verses are setting the stage for what will soon happen when they encounter Joseph. Yet while it's easy to focus our attention on Joseph's dream interpretation, sometimes we overlook those finite details like who was the cupbearer? Why was he significant? And same thing with the baker. Why are these two characters in the predicament they are in and do they carry any position of authority? Well, the answer is yes. Again, as mentioned, the Hebrew translation for cupbearer is butler, and when you combine that with the chief of the cupbearers, you kind of get an idea of the office's rank. So while it's true most cupbearers were slaves or servants, clearly they were more than just wine tasters on standby, as we'll see in a second. So now let's flash forward to 2 Chronicles 9-7. through 7. So when the queen of Sheba saw the depth of Solomon's wisdom, and the house which he had built, and the food of his table, the vast seating order of his officials, the attendance and service of his ministers, and their attire, his cupbearers, and their attire, and a stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, she was breathless. She said to the king, The report which I heard in my own land regarding your accomplishments and your words and your wisdom was true. But I did not believe the report until I came and saw it with my own eyes. Behold, the half of the greatness of your wisdom was not told to me. You have surpassed the report that I heard. Blessed and fortunate are your people. How blessed and fortunate are those servants of yours who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. All right, so this kind of builds upon Genesis 40. Because while we saw... In that particular passage, cupbearer being set apart among the other officials. In Second Chronicles 9, we see cupbearer declared blessed as serving in the presence of wisdom. Thus, we can infer that cupbearers were not only regarded as trustworthy, but esteemed in knowledge and skill. Alright, so let's go ahead to Nehemiah where we see Cupbearer represented through his voice and position to King Artaxerxes. According to the book, after Nehemiah realizes the Jews in Jerusalem are struggling with the broken walls, the king not only grants Nehemiah's request to rebuild them, but appoints him as governor to assure his authority would ensure the project's completion. By the end of the book, Nehemiah finishes the walls and 52 days, thanks in part, or primarily, to his sound management and determination in the face of adversaries. If you've read the book, you know that those adversaries were false accusers and backslidden captives. I know that this is an extremely paraphrased version of Nehemiah, but for sake of time, um, we are blitzing through the observations and making a beeline towards the, applications, the why is cupbearer relevant today? So I understand why you're thinking, why take this systematic Old Testament aerial view? Well, there are several reasons. First off, understanding how cupbearers conducted their business can help us as marketplace ministers, as faith-believing Christians, approach our work. For instance, in the same way cupbearers protected the king, Whatever it took, at all costs, we can establish and fortify a safe, healthy, working environment through integrity, through consistent reliability, our excellence and quality of support. There are a number of ways. Granted, bears being the ancient bodyguards they were, they live with their lives constantly on the line, and I know that sometimes it's hard to relate to that. But what we can relate to, at least for the majority of us listening to this, even when we're working outside our comfort zones, even when we're wrestling with distrust or cynicism, prejudice, self-preservation, maybe we're not being treated right by an authority figure or one of our subordinates, maybe we're unfairly being neglected, uh, not giving an opportunity to advance or discover or learn more in our fields, even in the mire of those moments, when we yield judgment to empathy and compassion, not only will we see influence more effectively, but long-term, we'll enhance a team dynamic that's driven towards collaborative solutions, and I want to talk about this. I'm going to drill down on this point in my next post, in my next podcast Secondly, when we apply the heart of a cupbearer, we can find inspiration in not only protecting our work environment, our work culture, but purifying it as well. And this is one of the points that I really want to zero in on tonight with you. Remember, cupbearers, while fragile in job security, obviously they lived every day as their last. If a foreigner brought in suspicious food or drink cup were the first line of defense. The king would order the cupbearer to make sure that they you know the, the food the the contents weren't contaminated or compromised in some way and if they were you know the cupbearer would get sick sometimes even die only when the cup had checked out the food and drink did the king, queen, and the royal subjects, and the servants of the house partake. So you'd think being a cupbearer would be this terrible, tragic thing. Why in the world would you want to be one if you could help it? Well, I'll tell you why. Just trying to put myself in the shoes of someone who lived thousands and thousands of years ago. I would want to be a cupbearer because I could perceive myself as a guardian to my Judeo-Christian galaxy. Seriously, I could save a kingdom with just one bite. Or swig. So yeah, you know, literally every day could be my last, but I would have every reason not to hesitate to put my mortality at risk knowing what the sacrifice would mean long-term. Essentially, to be a cupbearer was to be a hero in its own right, just without maybe the prestige and the dignity and the status of their boss. Now, as for us, we may not have to down poison, but we could certainly purify the toxins within our arenas of influence, whether it be antagonism, condemnation, libel, slander, subordination. Really, the struggles vary depending on what line of work you're in. And one of the reasons I love this particular point is because it applies no matter what your skill or gift set is. No matter what you're setting, your surrounding, the, the the type of people you work with, because truth is, while we may not be able to change what people believe, as spiritual cupbearers living in a twenty first century world, we could extend positive resilience into our company's immune system through unceasing prayer, biblical confrontation, and First uh, Corinthians sixteen thirteen slash Colossians three twenty three mindset. I'll let you look up those verses. By embracing this type of determination, we essentially decrease by allowing God to increase through our humility, patience, and selflessness that says, I may not be able to change people, but I can be an agent of change in my culture, regardless of the things that I can't control. You see, cupbearers were some of the best people. And workers, when it came to accomplishing things for the greater good and extending the benefit of the doubt, when it came to performing unenviable tasks. Yet, because they could see the past ahead of the past, the future ramifications of their decisions, ultimately, cupbearers had little problem being obedient, albeit they probably knew they'd lose their life if they. Refused, And boy, would the script change for us if we knew there wasn't any room for stubbornness. At the same time, I'm sure several cupbearers knew the rewards that awaited them if they chose to persevere. And in Nehemiah's case, we see a prime example of someone who just didn't stand on the right side of the king holding a cup on standby waiting to check suspicious contents. Contrarily, we find a man who found favor upon favor upon favor as he obeyed and didn't let a fear of man trip him up. And again, read the book of Nehemiah. You'll see there were plenty of opportunities that could have derailed Nehemiah and the restoration of the walls. But because Nehemiah's heart burned with compassion and he was able to move the king to action through that genuineness of heart... In the end, Nehemiah was able to fulfill the calling that God had for him, and God blessed Nehemiah by, or rather through the favor of the king, which we see in Nehemiah's promotion. I'll have to go back and read some commentary, but I'm curious to see what would have happened if Nehemiah didn't get that promotion. For instance, would his authority allow him to complete the task, even though I'm sure his character and integrity would have held true to form? All right, moving on. Finally, when we conclude, or rather consider, Old Testament cupbearers served as agents of healing and restoration, we can better recognize their foreshadowing to the preeminent cupbearer in the Word as Jesus Christ. Of course, Christ lived and lives as cupbearer and king simultaneously. It's a big difference. However, by noting the parallels between Jesus and man, and the fact each cupbearer in scripture abided sacrificially and submitted to a higher authority at his right hand, we can glean inspiration concerning our workplace identity. For as we celebrate Christ's atonement when we take communion, we commemorate in our daily life knowing our influence is maximized when we live as Christ and take up our cross. And if you've been following this podcast, you know influence has been a huge buzzword in my heart lately, specifically how we mature as effective influencers for the gospel, how we grow as more effective ambassadors of Christ. While again, this topic is very detailed, it's loaded, ultimately, bottom line, the key to thriving as A present-day cupbearer comes down to recognizing our destiny and fulfilling our call in remembrance of Him. Remember what I said a few months ago about keeping the cross in mind? That's really what cupbearers foreshadowed. I know cupbearers, you know, there's a small sample size concerning them, so it's easy to miss that point when we're reading through the Word. But essentially, the Old Testament cupbearers, really were prophetic in pointing the arrow towards Jesus and how he bore his cup with respect to the assignment God gave him. So that Nehemiah-Jesus parallel, very sneaky and worth chewing on. In closing this podcast, I encourage you to live as the cupbearers of old and the cupbearer, capital C, of today. Regardless of the broken walls, in your life, regardless of what you think you have to lose or maybe what you are actually losing. In the end, it's all about being grateful as we're faithful with what God has entrusted us. Even when you feel lost or anxious or you're tempted to bind to that fear of man, remember you were made to pour out abundant life, that's John ten ten, 10, to bear fruit in every good work as a drink offering. Lifting up the cup of salvation, as the psalmist in Psalm 116 describes. Lifting up that cup of salvation, just like a cup air. Oh, man, this is good stuff. Well, that wraps up tonight's podcast. Uh, as mentioned, I hope to have a subsequent part two podcast to this, where I'll talk about not only how we can better influence those around us in the workplace but how we can better build that team dynamic using the cupbearer identity template. In the meantime, if you have any questions, you have any prayer requests, even correctional comments, we invite you to share them in the comment below or to email us or if you have our contact information, feel free to just contact us at your convenience. We are here to serve you and to pour out like a cupbearer. Have a great weekend and as I always say, we'll catch you on the fry. Peace.